This is Pastor Brad. I'm excited to be back next week. But this week, we are starting a brand new series called Inconvenient Devotion. Our word for 2022 is inconvenient faith, that convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. So this year, we're talking about what, what is it like to follow Jesus when it's not easy. And so we're looking at these eight core practices that we have at Core Church that help us to live out our faith. But when you look at these eight practices, let's just be honest, none of them are convenient. That's why today we're gonna to be talking about inconvenient devotion, our, our core practice of daily devotions. In fact, I wanna encourage you during this series to make that a practice. We have the 22 and 22 challenge. Spend 22 minutes a day with Jesus. We have journals and a Lord's Prayer Guide out in the uh, lobby and also online. You can get a lot of resources for that. And I'm excited today because as we talk about this idea of devotion, what does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? excited to have my really good friend Blaine Bartell coming back to speak. So will you welcome Blaine to speak to us today? Good morning, everybody. <laughs> I, I did not want to lose your attention this morning in case you haven't noticed by my bright red jacket. I walked out this morning. We have grandson duty this weekend, so Lori is doing a drop of the grandson back to mom and dad. Thank you, sir. So she couldn't be here today, but she looked at me and said, what are you wearing? And I said, hey, hon, I preach so often here that I had to find something new. Like I just am always re-wearing stuff, and I know you guys get bored with that. So I thought, well, I'm going to try this out. All right, good to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, I, I got on uh, Pastor Brad's case a couple weeks ago when he asked me to speak. Uh, the, the Sunday after Easter, which is historically in the church world, the least attended service in the entire calendar's year. And I'm like, thanks, Brad. I really appreciate that. I'll look forward to that Bible study with seven people. Uh, but look at our crowd, man. We're, we're packed. We're packed. So I just sent him a text. I said, ha, ha, ha on you. We have a packed house this morning. All right, so good to be with you. I want, to, uh, I want to talk about what it means to be with Jesus this morning as we talk about devotion. And uh, I'm not going to go where you think I'm going to go. And, uh, you know, when, when, when he kind of introduced this, and we're going to talk about what it means to have devotion to God and do our devotions, this is not going to be do your devotions every day. I am not going to shame you. <laughs> I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to get on to you about you got to do this every day. And Listen, we're going to talk about what it means to enter into like a devotional life. A life where we're just continually in relationship with Jesus. Uh, I can't tell you that every day I sit down and do 30 minutes straight of devotions. I can't tell you that I even sit down and every day do 20 minutes. Now, there are days I will do that. There are days that I go longer. But I can tell you that I would say most days, I'm living in communion with Jesus. I'm living into prayer. I'm having conversations with him literally all day long talking to him, bringing up, it's like he's my best friend and it's like the Holy Spirit is like with me all the time and it's like that I'm acknowledging the Father that he's always there, which all of those things are true. And that 
over the course of a day, I guarantee it's probably 30, 60 minutes of conversation with Jesus. But in order to kind of move into that kind of relationship with the Lord, I think we have to see some things about who Jesus really is. Like, why would we want to spend 22 minutes a day with him? Why would we want to devote, you know, a major part of our, of our life uh, with Jesus? Who is he really? So one of my favorite passages is found in Matthew chapter 17. And it's this passage that is a little bit weird in the New Testament. It kind of happens before Jesus goes to the cross and, and he doesn't really invite all of the 12 disciples to this. It's just as like it's his secret three, Peter, James, and John, and they go up this mountain. And let's read it together. I think we've got it on the screen here. So it says, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. He's like, this is great. He says, if you wish... I'll make three dwellings or three houses here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And then it says, while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, this is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome with fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Kind of weird, right? Go up, all of a sudden, two guys that have been, you know, gone for thousands of years, really two of the, uh, the, the top two, uh, that, that rabbis and Jewish leaders and, and the Jewish people look to in terms of like their, you know, their leaders, their, their great, you know, their, their great men of God, Moses, the lawbringer, uh, you know, met with God, brought down the commandments, and then Elijah, the great prophet, all of a sudden they appear out of nowhere. And Jesus is shining like with this bright light and, and then God <laughs> talks, you know, like in a loud voice. Everyone hears his voice. It's my beloved son. And then, and then it gets really weird that, you know, Moses and, and Elijah disappear and, and, and God says, listen to Jesus. So I have, uh, I've read this probably hundreds of times in my life. And I think over the last couple of years, I've really come to revelation on what this means to us as believers today and how we can have a deeper, more real, authentic, genuine relationship with Jesus. And it really introduces us, friends, to who he really is and who he wants to be in our life. So I, I've kind of broken it up into three parts this morning. So part number one is, I'm just going to call it this, mountains are a must. So the, the first 
I think, step into a deeper devotion to Jesus is this idea that we have to be willing to climb a mountain to really see him, to really know him. And, and notice there that it wasn't just any kind of mountain. The, the scripture says that they, they went up a very high mountain. And I don't think that's an accident. I think that, that there's a clue here that if we want this deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus, if we really want to know who he is and be drawn into this, this, this relationship, that we have to be willing to climb a high mountain. That, that it's not just as simple as sometimes we make it with uh, a sinner's prayer. Like, you know, we, we, we often, you know, bring someone to Christ or lead someone to Christ or maybe we were led to Christ and, 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 and the coming to Christ is just as simple as, well, Lord, I ask you into my heart and I ask you to save me in Jesus' name, amen. And I promise you he hears that prayer and I promise you he saves you in that moment because there's nothing we can do to be saved except by his grace we're saved, except by his, his love, except by his righteousness. So there's nothing more that we can do except utter God, I need you and Jesus save me. But there is this space after that prayer where Jesus calls us to this high mountain, where he invites us on this climb. And I wanna, wanna share what I believe that mountain is because it's not a literal mountain. It's a mountain that is bigger that is greater than Everest. It's a mountain that is so steep and so high and so difficult at times to climb, but Jesus continually invites us to climb this mountain. It is a mountain that every single one of us will be climbing the rest of our life, that we'll think we have summited only to wake up in the morning and realize, wow, I got some more climbing to do. I thought I'd conquered this mountain five years ago. I thought I'd conquered it last year. I thought I'd conquered it a week ago only to find out, no, there's still some climbing to be done. And every now and again, you feel like you've summited. Every now and again, you look around and you, you, you sense, wow, this is beautiful. This new life, this new climb, this new mountain. I'm seeing more of Jesus than ever before. I'm seeing his dazzling white. I'm seeing his glory. I'm, I'm feeling like the Father's speaking in this moment. But yet, we'll wake up for another day and realize still got some climbing to do. What is this mountain? This mountain is what I call the mountain of self. Oh, it's a tough mountain to climb. Right when we think we got there, some part of our self shows up. I want more. It's all about me. Or it's got to be a little bit about me, right? Look what Jesus said. He said in Mark or Matthew 16, just a chapter before this, he said, then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man or woman come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. What, what, a, what a, a beckoning. What a call. What an assignment. He said, if you really want to come after me, if you really want a relationship with me, you're going to have to, to, to dig deep. You're going to have to 
take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. That's some big stuff. Did you know that Jesus actually invited us to take up a cross before he ever did? He had not even gone to the cross yet, but he's already inviting us as his followers, take up your cross. Now we understand that that cross doesn't mean literal death, that if we're truly gonna follow Jesus, we have to die or we have to get on a cross somewhere. What does the cross mean? It just simply means death to self, death to blame, death to us that we live for something greater than ourselves, that there's more to this life than me. And he, and he emphasizes that, he kind of explains it by saying, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. And it sounds like a very tough journey. Sounds like a journey that none of us would ever want to go on. Deny myself, are you kidding? That's all life is about, you know? Life is about like, you know, making money and getting your thing going and, you know, having your stuff and accumulating and taking care of yourself and looking out for number one. Because you know what they say, if you don't look out for number one, no one will. Like, you'll, you'll, you've got to look out for yourself. But I would say to you that we can't say yes to Jesus until we learn to say no to ourselves. I would say to you that if you want a marriage that is amazing, that is extraordinary, give yourself away to your wife. Give yourself away to your husband. Don't go into marriage thinking, what can I get out of this? But go into a marriage thinking, how can I give into this life? How can I give into this union? That it's about giving our lives away because Jesus said, man, if you just keep trying to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you let go of your life and lose your life for my sake, it says you'll find it. It's a paradox. It's an absolute countercultural idea that actually works. For 30 years, I can tell you, as a Christian, I lived for Jesus, but I was also living for self. You know what I did? I realized when I look back not long ago, I... I actually tried to skip the cross and go straight to the resurrection. I didn't want Good Friday in my life. I didn't want to deal with the death of self, the death of blame, the death of my own lusts, the death of my own desires, the death of, of my own ambitions. I wanted to go straight to resurrection, but the only way to get to resurrection is through Good Friday, that we have to encounter the death of self. Now, trust me. That doesn't mean that you can't have your own distinct personality. It doesn't mean that you lose who you are and, and the joy that you bring into this world as a human being. It doesn't mean that you lose a spark of God's divine in your soul that just springs out of you. Didn't you love that little boy's testimony? I mean, I just, I just loved his spark. I loved his heart. I loved his personality. And that's beautiful about all of us. We all bring a distinctiveness into this world and, and something special into this world, but it gets even more distinctive and it gets even more special when you encounter that kind of selflessness in a story all of a sudden you see a, 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 a boy like that who's already learning what it means to lose himself to give his life away for another and you realize what he said at the end man I never felt so good there was something that came over me well why because that's the way God intended that's the life that he 
has invited us into, this joy of living for others. So we have to step up that mountain of self. We have to keep climbing, keep putting our own selfish ideas and ambitions aside. You know what I did? I realized I had so much self in my life 12 years ago, so much personal ambition, willing to do whatever it took to get what I wanted in my way. And I realized that I, I was so far from living into this Jesus life that I remember I, I, I said this, I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm gonna conquer this mountain, but here's where I'm gonna st start. I said, when I get out of bed every morning, I'm gonna roll out of bed. I'm not gonna put a foot on the floor until my knees touch first. And I would roll out of bed every morning when I'd wake up on, directly onto my knees. And I would just be on my knees on the side of my bed and I would pray this prayer and it would it'd be different every, every morning. But Lord, I surrender myself to you today. I am not gonna take one step today in the name of Blaine Bartell. Every step I take today is going to be in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son. Help me to live a surrendered life. Did it work out perfect every day? No, but it did, did it remind me every day whose I am and who I'm living for? Absolutely. So God will sometimes deal with us and speak to us about, hey, what if you did this? What if you took this step? What if you got really practical in how to live beyond yourself? Here's the second thing. If we're going to enter into a deep and a devoted relationship with Jesus, we've got to understand that law and fear must disappear. Law and fear must disappear. You see, there was a reason why Elijah and Moses disappeared. See, here are like, in, in, in the minds of the disciples, the top three, right? It'd be kind of like us, maybe as, as Americans, you know, we had, you know, like George Washington and uh, we had Abraham Lincoln and then maybe we had like your favorite leader, the three of them. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln goes away and George Washington goes away and it's just this guy. So, so that's kind of the way it would be, except it was a much more sacred, a much more holy moment. It was a, a God moment. And so here's, here's Moses, the great lawgiver, gone, disappeared. Here's Elijah, the prophet, the mighty man of God, disappeared. And all that's left is Jesus shining in all of his glory. And, and we hear the Father speak, we hear Almighty speak, and he says, this is my son, I am so pleased with him. And then he says, what, listen to him. Listen to him. In other words, the law, the prophet, the prophets were all there for one reason. They were all there, all of the Old Testament and all the law and the prophets that prophesied and spoke were all there for one reason, to get us to Jesus. That's why. The law showed us how sinful, how lost, how undone we were without Christ and without the Messiah. The prophets were continually pointing to the Messiah, calling for the Messiah, telling Israel there's one that's coming that's greater. Even John the Baptist saying, there's, there's, there's one that's greater than me, more powerful than me that's coming. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. And so Jesus shows up and, and the Father says, listen to Jesus. 
I'm going to tell you something. The words of Jesus will change us. If you want to, if you've ever been, you know, if you've ever been at all confused about what God looks like, if you've ever been at all confused about what God believes, if you ever haven't quite been sure about, you know, how do I make sense of all the Bible and all the different parts of it? And there's, you know, parts maybe in the Old Testament I don't understand. All of that was made beautifully, gloriously clear in this moment when the father said, this is my son, listen to him. This is it. Because Jesus said, when, when the disciples came to him and they said, hey, tell us, show us what God's like. Could you please show us what the Father's like, what God's like? We, we've been wondering. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. Jesus is how God acts. Jesus is how God talks. Jesus is what God believes. Jesus, according to the writer of Hebrews, says that he is the exact representation of God. He is the revelation of God to us. In fact, he is God. And so as Jesus was left and the others were gone, it was clear to the disciples that the law was passed and there was a new law. That all of the box checking of the past was over and there was a new box to check. And it was one box, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. If we can know him, if we can know the way he lived, if we can know the way he asked us to live as followers of Jesus, that that one box can be checked. Because I'm gonna tell you, in, in, in my former attempt to check all the Christian boxes, to, to get up every day and try to make sure that I didn't leave any box unchecked, I was constantly left with unchecked boxes. Anyone been a box checker? I'm that way. Man, I make a list every day of, you know, things I got to do and, you know, my to-do list and it gets long and there's like 20, 25, you know, things in a day. And every time I, every time I get something done, I can't wait to, oh, I did that, right? Just feels so good. Yeah, I did that. And we, we become that in our spirituality. We become that in our devotional life. We become that as Christians. Got to keep checking the boxes. Prayed, you know, was nice, smiled, went to church, gave an offering. Oh, I'm a good Christian. Yes, yes, yes. Well, the problem in the Old Testament was there were 613 boxes. That's how many commandments. How do you check all those in a day? You see, in our box checking Christian experience, this is what happens. We run out of ink. There's never enough ink to check every box. Never enough. See, Jesus shed his blood so that we wouldn't need any more ink. He made us righteous. He made us holy. Nothing we could do on our own. But he came to make us the righteousness of God. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says, For what uh, the law or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from what? From the law of sin and death. And it doesn't mean that the law is bad. It doesn't mean the Old Testament wasn't enough. It was there to point us to the one that would come, to Jesus. And Jesus summed up the entire law. He said, hey, this is how easy it gets in following me.
Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. That if we'll come with our love for God and God gives his love to us, that we'll have the ability to actually love our neighbor. Oh, God is so good. You know, I've just learned to live into the goodness of the Father, the goodness of Jesus. And I'll tell you why, because Paul said something in his his letter to the Romans. He said, friends, it is the goodness of God that leads us into repentance. That when you live into God's goodness and you realize how much he loves you, that it just keeps bringing you back into allegiance and repentance and desire to serve him. Third thing, close with this. Stop talking, start listening. This is going to sound weird, but when we talk about devotion, we often think about prayer. And we have this idea that, man, if I'm really a true praying woman, if I'm a true praying man, and I got to be, I got to be getting some stuff out there. And I got to be, I got to be talking. I got to be telling. I got to be calling. I got to be reminding God. I got to be, you know, you're just praying for grandpa, praying for grandma, praying for son, praying for grandson, you know, praying for the church, praying for the pastor, praying for your job. You know, you're just always praying. And there's nothing bad with that. But there's this, this prayer component in our life that I think we miss. Such a beautiful component of prayer, and it's that, uh, that, that, that prayer of listening. Listening, having an ear. Do you know seven times in the book of Revelation, in the first three chapters, that it says, he who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. That God wants to give us ears to hear what is Jesus saying to us. What is the Holy Spirit saying to us? I used to read a a passage, I think it's in 1 Thessalonians, and it says, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. I remember thinking, how in the world can I do that? You know, I just run out of prayers. Like I, I run out of stuff. But the only way you can pray without ceasing is if you cease to talk and you start to listen because listening and being aware and being present with the Lord and just knowing he's there is prayer that you're living into a prayerful posture, that you're listening to God. I want to share as we close one of the most powerful uh, devotional moments in my life that I practice regularly. And it's a listening moment. It's this moment where I just say, okay, Lord, what do you have to say? And I've been amazed at how God will speak and how the spirit will speak and how Jesus will show up in those moments. So there's an ancient practice in the, in the uh, historical church. You can look it up, you can Google it when you get home if you like, but it's called Lectio Divina. Anyone heard of that? Okay, Lectio Divina. So Lectio Divina is Latin for Lectio is speech, right? Lection, speech. And divina, of course, is divine. So it's divine utterance or divine speaking. And so the practice goes like this, that you'll either gather in a, in a group of believers, 
you know, in a smaller group of believers, or you could do it in, in a larger group, or you can do it alone. But you will read the scripture. So you'll, you'll pick out a passage and you'll read through that passage, but you'll read through that passage of scripture slowly, deliberately, with a listening ear. What is the Lord saying through this scripture? What is, what is this speaking into my heart? And you'll read it so slowly that sometimes you'll actually stop to let it sink in and then keep reading. And the practice often happens in, in different parts where you'll read it more than once. You'll go back and maybe read that passage again or somebody else will read it a second time. And the idea is that we believe that the Spirit, that Jesus and the Father are present in that moment. That as the Scripture bears witness in our heart that somehow it's speaking to us and that the Spirit is speaking to us. And so I'll, I'll share something that happened in such a, a beautiful moment that I didn't expect, I wasn't looking for. But it was one of those devotional moments where I was just speaking the Scripture with a group of friends. We were gathered together in a room and then listening. And we were all, all there together just listening to what the Lord said. So. We read this passage about, it was Passover, and it was right before the cross, and Jesus had gathered his disciples. And the passage talks about how, well, I'll read it to you. It says that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, went to God, and raised up after supper. And he laid aside his outer garments, and he took a towel and he girded himself and he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with a towel where he was girded. So it's the washing of the disciples' feet. Of course, we read it much slower than that. We just let it kind of resonate. And friends, I can tell you that as I was reading that and listening to that, that I literally in that moment as my eyes were closed, saw in my mind's eye, saw in my heart, Jesus walking into the room. It was the weirdest thing. Jesus walked into that room that I was in. He knelt down. I looked down and there's a basin of water and there's a towel. And he literally grabbed my feet, washed my feet, and then he looked up at me. And he didn't say a word. He just looked up and, and, and the look that he had in his eyes was a look that said this, Blaine, you are a disciple and your mission is to be a foot washer, to find the travelers in your world that are weary, that are dirty, and that need me and wash their feet. You're not in this world for any other reason than to wash the feet of others. This is your mission, and this is your calling, and it's a holy mission, and it's a sacred mission. Friends, it changed everything for me. My perspective on why I'm here and what life is all about completely changed. There's not a day that I don't wake up that I don't remember that moment 
and think this is why I'm here. I'm not here for somebody to wash my feet. I'm not here for somebody to take care of me. My life is about giving it away. God, help me to find somebody that is weary, a traveler of yours that needs hope, that needs help. It's interesting that when we talk about being with Jesus, when we talk about being in that moment with him, that he said, you wanna be with me? You wanna encounter me? He said, Matthew 25, find the hungry, feed that hungry person. Find the one that's in prison, go visit them. Find, find that one that's, that's broken, that's hurt, and, and, and care for them. And he said, when you've done it unto them, you've done it unto me, that sometimes our greatest encounters, our greatest devotion, our greatest times of meeting with Jesus are found in giving our lives away to those that need Jesus the most. And so that's the most beautiful, devoted life that you could bring. Beyond our, you know, our prayers and, and our regular reading and making sure that we've done all of those boxes that we try to fill as a devoted Christian, I wonder if we could just every day roll out of bed on our knees and say, I'm surrendered to you to Jesus. I'm gonna keep climbing that mountain of self and I'm gonna keep on listening to you and knowing what you're speaking into my soul as a follower of Christ. Amen. Let's pray as we close. Father, we are so, so grateful that we get to be with Jesus. Lord, you invited us to that mountain and we see you glorious. So we see you resurrected. We see you in a way that even those three disciples didn't see you that you're the risen king. And we're asking you, Lord, to speak to us. Lord, you said for us to listen to him, and so we listen. We listen. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to do. Give us a towel and a basin to wash. Let us live into this new life, this devoted life to Jesus. Lord, where we've held on to self, let us let go of self. Take up our cross and know that on the other side of that is resurrection in our lives. So we prepare to receive the Lord's supper and his table. Let's kind of close out this moment with the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Most of you know it, if you don't, just listen to it. Let, it. let it speak to you this morning. Will you join me? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.